Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Hello and welcome to Not Just A Sports Report. Today I am laying down on an air mattress, trying to get as comfortable as possible for part two. I'm doing an all-nighter, the UFC London card, starting at 4am. We're going to be doing a thoughts and comments podcast, so getting everything set up to do an all-nighter, get through the entire card. But first, it is time for my main card preview and predictions. Going to be jumping through the entire main card I've already done the prelims, so that podcast is available now. You can go back and check that one out. Before the card starts, we're about six hours away from the card starting. Now, if you enjoy the podcast and want to support Not Just A Sports Report, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at Not Just A Sports Report or follow us on whatever podcast platform. Sorry, cannot speak English. English deteriorating early. Uh, It's going to be a strange all-nighter thoughts and comments podcast but yeah follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and you'll be able to see whenever new ufc content drops Uh, biggest fight night card in years we are returning to london i'm so excited we've got the huge heavyweight main event between volkov and aspinall now aspinall in number 11 in the heavyweight rankings looking to crack the top 10 he looks like the next big prospect but The huge test here is Volkov. He himself, he doesn't want to be a gatekeeper of the division. He wants to be a bona fide contender. So this is a huge main event. Aspinall obviously going to have the home crowd advantage. Then in the co-main event, Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. That is going to be an incredible fight. I've got plenty to say about that one. We've got Paddy Pimblet, Paddy the Baddie. We've got Ilya Tapuria. Now, if both men win, do we see that matchup next? Maybe. I'm going to go through the entire card, take a look at each matchup, and I'm going to offer my predictions at the end of each fight. So, I was away last weekend. I've been in decent form over the last few events, though, and I am hoping for my best weekend yet. UFC London main card. Let's get into it with the opening fight of the main card. Kicking off the main card in London this weekend, we've got lightweight action between British native Jai Herbert and the undefeated Georgian Ilya Tapuria stepping up a weight class and taking this fight on short notice. Jai Herbert looked great in his last bout, and although Tapuria is the heavy favourite, this shapes as a real danger matchup for the Georgian. Tapuria is a highly rated star, but Jai Herbert, a very interesting proposition. Now, Jai Herbert dropped his first two fights in the promotion to highly experienced Brazilian fighters Francis Trinaldo and Renato Moicano before Jai finally notched his first UFC win in his most recent outing against Karma Worthy. Herbert collected the knockout stoppage in under three minutes in the first round of his fight with Worthy. He looked really good, but for mine, Worthy isn't the highest level of competition. Now, Herbert has secured finishes in 10 of his 11 career wins, so this is going to be a banger potential fight of the night tonight, and he's going to have the hometown advantage, Jai Herbert, the Englishman, so the crowd are definitely going to get behind him, and Ilya Tapuria's been beefing with Paddy Pimblett, so Tapuria may be playing the villain this weekend, and that's going to even more play into the hands of Jai Herbert, who can really play the hometown hero, so... Herbert looking for the biggest win of his career up against Tapuria. It is going to be a task. Tough ask though, not a task. I guess that works, but it's going to be a really tough task because Ilya Tapuria is in the absolute top tier when it comes to emerging prospects inside the UFC. Ilya is undefeated in 11 outings. Tapuria now making the move up to 155 pounds after suffering from medical issues due to his intense weight cutting earlier this year. 
The medical issues Sautapuri's bout with Charles Jourdain called off at the last minute, so I'm very intrigued to see how Tapuria fares as a lightweight and whether the not-as-intense weight cut is beneficial for him or whether he was thriving with those advantages at featherweight. So the new weight class with Tapuria is very interesting, especially because the top 10 of the lightweight division has so many question marks. You've got Conor McGregor, how much longer is he going to continue to fight for? Dan Hooker, who's moved down to featherweight, co-main event of this card. Tony Ferguson, how much longer is he going to fight for? Dustin Poirier, looks like he may be fighting at welterweight next, so really interesting times. Ilya Tapuria seems like one of the perfect prospects to fill that void, and yeah, it's going to be a cracking fight. Ilya Tapuria now resides in Spain, but he's proud of his Georgian nationality, and we've seen over the last week that Ilya did not take too kindly to Paddy Plimblitz's online pestering. Now, Jai Herbert, the opponent, he is flying high after getting that first win over Karma Worthy. Not a high-level opponent with the greatest respect, but a, one, a win nonetheless. Ilya Tapuria has a point to prove that he's equally as dangerous at lightweight, so Jai Herbert is going to have to bring his A-game. Now, if Tapuria's featherweight form is anything to go by, then we could have a genuine contender on our hands at 155 pounds. What an outstanding choice for the opening bout of this main card. Having a look at the size advantages, Chai Herbert is going to be significantly larger, more height, and much more reach. So Tapuria is going to be giving up a lot of size and reach with this step up to middleweight. Oh, middleweight, not middleweight. Uh, lightweight, sorry. Muddle my lines. It's already getting a little bit late, but look, we'll push through. So Tapuria, he is going to be giving up a lot of advantages with this move to lightweight, so very, very intriguing. One of the fights I'll be keeping a very close eye on this weekend, but I'm going to back to Puria to have the speed and hopefully power. Hopefully not having to cut all that weight, he has plenty of power. Now, looking at the profiles, Jai Herbert, nicknamed the Black Country Banger, 33 years old from Wolverhampton, England, so definitely going to have the crowd behind him and he is from the Renegade Jiu-Jitsu Gym. Now, Jai Herbert has an orthodox stance, so this should be definitely a great fight on the feet, and Jai Herbert specializes in Muay Thai, so this is definitely one I'm marking down as a fight of the night contender, and if we don't see fight of the night, then I think we may very well see a performance of the night finish. Now, in terms of Jai Herbert's championships and accomplishments, he is a former Cage Warriors lightweight champion now cage warriors the premier united kingdom mixed martial arts organization going to see plenty of fighters across this card through the prelims all the way through the main card that have cut their teeth on the cage warriors circuit so big night for cage warriors and a lot of their alumni or graduates i guess and this is going to be one of them so very interesting jai herbert former cage warriors champion up against Ilya Tupuria, who looks like a very real threat at 155. Now, for Tupuria's profile, he is nicknamed El Matador, only 25 years old, so yeah. Ilya Tupuria is genuinely one of the brightest prospects in the UFC. He is definitely one to keep an eye on. I have been for a while. Now the move to lightweight presents a whole new batch of question marks, but this kid looks like he can answer every question thrown his way. Only 25, so we're yet to even see this kid reach his physical prime. Tapuria was born in Germany, Georgian heritage, and he is fighting out of Alicante in Spain. Tapuria is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, very capable on the mat, so I think that is going to be danger signs for the Muay Thai specialist Jai Herbert, and this is an area that I think if Tapuria finds himself in deeper waters, like if Herbert can really sting him with a couple of big shots, then I think we're going to see Tapuria lean on his jiu-jitsu skills, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. So yeah, I expect Tapuria to take this one to the mat if things aren't going his way on the feet. Tapuria's gym is the Clement Club, and as far as championships and accomplishments go, Tapuria is a former mixed fight events featherweight champion, so... That's the first I've heard of mixed fight events with the greatest of respects 
to that promotion. But gee whiz, Tapuria, what a talent. He is the number 15 ranked featherweight. So if Ilya gets the win this weekend, then I think he deserves a ranked lightweight opponent next. Or at least someone floating just outside of the top 15. UFC debut for Tapuria was in October 2020, so he hasn't been around for too long. He had a unanimous decision win over Yusuf Tzalal on debut, and then Tapuria backed that up in December 2020, only a couple of months later, getting a first round knockout over Damon Jackson. Both of these guys I consider as higher level opposition than Karma Worthy as well, uh, which was Jai Herbert's one and only UFC win so far. Then in July 2021, Tapuria had that amazing first round knockout of Ryan Hall. If you don't remember that fight just by the names, Ryan Hall, he was doing all his usual stuff, rolling all over the mat, trying all kinds of crazy stuff. Tapuria was patient and absolutely shut his lights out. So I, I really rate Tapuria. Like, I rate Ryan Hall highly, and that was the most impressive win of Ilya's career to date. And yeah, big things expected of him. He's had 11 professional fights and 11 wins. Now, from his 11 wins, he's had seven submission victories, three knockouts, and one decision. So no losses for Ilya. He's had 10 stoppages from 11 wins. Uh, and yeah, he looks every bit the prospect. As for Jai Herbert, he's had 14 fights. He has a record of 11 and 3. So 11 wins for both of them, no losses for Tapuria, three losses for Herbert. Th all three of those losses were stoppages. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. And as for Jai Herbert's wins, he's won nine times by knockout, once by submission, once by decision. So stylistically, Tapuria going to be much smaller, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. So he really has the advantages in the grappling. So is he going to use that superior advantage and really try to utilize that? Whereas if Jai Herbert can work his size into the contest, then he shapes as a major danger matchup for Tapuria. And he's a knockout specialist, so if he catches the smaller Tapuria with some really heavy, sorry, got something in my eye, some really heavy hits, then all of a sudden we could see a major upset. So very interesting times ahead. The UFC London card is just a matter of hours away. I cannot wait to sit down for the thoughts and comments. Going to be a very fun card. Now, just having a look at the betting market, Tapuria. This is an interesting one because he is moving up a weight class, but he's the heavy favorite. $1.22 head-to-head. Jai Herbert, bit of a value bet option, $4.40. For Tapuria, to win by decision, which not likely, $7. To win by submission, which he has most of his wins by submission, $2.30. And Tapuria by knockout, $2.85. Jai Herbert to win by submission, highly unlikely, $41. Herbert to win by knockout, which is how he's won most of his contests, but Tapuria's never lost. Herbert by knockout, $9. Herbert by decision, $10. So, interesting in terms of the betting market. Very, very favorable in terms of Tapuria's odds. And, yeah, it's time for me to make a prediction. UFC London main card opener. What about they have chosen? I'm going to be taking Ilya Tapuria to kick off his lightweight division run in style. I'm taking Ilya Tapuria by knockout and yeah i'll be doing a double chance bet because i think submission is an option but i gotta go with one straight prediction and overall i think tapuria just has enough to get the big knockout so that's what i'm taking i'm going to be taking Ilya tapuria over jai herbert by knockout five fights to go on this card so let's make it quick and move on to the next one up next is one of the closest fights on the card. I have been back and forth all week in regards to my pick. And even now, I'm still undecided as to which way I'm leaning. On one side, we've got Meatball Molly McCann, the hometown favourite, looking to set the tone for herself and her team with Paddy the Batty only a couple of fights away. Opposing McCann is going to be Luana Carolina, a matchup that is every chance of spoiling Meatball Molly's homecoming. Luana is a fighter that I'm always wary of betting against. She just seems to find a way to win, and Luana is coming off a pristine 2021 campaign with two victories in two appearances. Her first appearance was in May last year, not in the promotion overall, this is just her 2021 campaign. Luana opened her account for the year, defeating Pollyanna Botello by split decision. 
That was a close fight, but Luana has a genuine knack for edging out victories in close contest, and that's what makes her such a danger matchup for Molly McCann this weekend. Luana's most recent outing saw her pick up the win over highly rated prospect Lupi Godinez, who had taken the fight on extremely short notice. Carolina came up with the unanimous decision victory, and now her stocks are higher than ever inside of the UFC. Two wins for Carolina in 2021, but the more impressive stat, Luana has won eight of her last nine fights. Luana's official record in the UFC stands at three wins and one loss, and if you add her Dana White Contender Series Brazil win, you can have her UFC record at four wins, one loss. The UFC is returning to London. I am so hyped. They are going to be right behind the hometown favorite in steps Meatball Molly. She is riding the wave that she and her team have earned, and Molly knows that a second consecutive win inside the UFC would see the trajectory of her career skyrocket. Luana Carolina is out for her third straight win, and the Brazilian surely has her eyes set on the top 15, so great matchup ahead, and we know that Luana Carolina is out to achieve that this weekend. She's pushing for the rankings, and that creates a very hungry and dialed-in matchup for Meatball Molly. It's been a mixed journey overall for Molly in the UFC so far. It's taken the English native some time to piece everything together and transition her success from Cage Warriors over to the UFC. McCann lost her UFC debut in her hometown of Liverpool, England. That was a round two submission loss to Gillian Robertson in 2018, but I guess the nerves on the big stage, it is hard in your first fight. Now she's really starting to work her experience into the frame and she needs to be able to capitalize on that because a few losses in a row and yeah, the UFC's ruthless, you'll be out of there. So she really needs to take her shot while she's got it, while she's got this huge hype in England, but Carolina is such a tough matchup for her. Now, since that debut loss to Gillian Robertson, this is how Meatball Molly's run has gone. She had three consecutive decision wins over Priscilla Cachoeira, Ariane Lipsky, and Diana Belbita. And then Meatball Molly, she lost her momentum, two losses in a row, Talia Santos and Lara Prokopa. Prokopa, I can't pronounce that one, Soz, I'll work on that. Uh, but most recently, Meatball Molly, she was in action on the Derek Brunson up against Darren Till card, and she got the win over Ji Yoon Kim. So Meatball Molly, she really wants to get her second straight win, and yeah, it's going to be a fun card. Can Meatball Molly give the fans what they want? Or is Luana Carolina going to steal the spotlight and move one step closer toward a ranked opponent? Having a look at the profiles, Molly McCann, nicknamed Meatball Molly. She is 31 years old from Liverpool, England. The crowd are going to be getting right around Meatball Molly. She's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, training at Next Generation MMA with the likes of Paddy Pimblett. Huge night for the Next Generation MMA Biggest night in their history, actually. Now, Molly McCann, she has once won UFC Fight of the Night, and she is a former Cage Warrior Women's Flyweight... Flyweight, sorry, not Flyweight. She is a former Cage Warriors Women's Flyweight Champion. And if you can hear that cricket or whatever in the background, that's because we are getting late, we are approaching the card, so very excited about that. Now, Luana Carolina, she is nicknamed Dread. Very ominous nickname. Luana Carolina, only 28 years old, so still working into her prime. She's from Sao Paulo in Brazil, and she's a 15-minute specialist. That's her style. If she is to get the win, she's going to be looking to get it done by decision here and to just smother her opponent, that's my opinion. And Luana is from the Capital da Luta gym. Now, having a look at their professional records overall, Luana Carolina's stands at 8 wins and 2 losses whilst Meatball Molly stands at 11 wins and 4 losses. Now, firstly, I'm going to have a look at Luana Carolina's win methods up against how Molly's lost. So I'll see if the, it kind of, there's a correlation between how Luana wins her fights and how Molly loses. Now, Luana has three stoppages on her resume. She's won twice by knockout, once by submission. However, Luana Carolina's last five victories have all come by way of decision. So... Definitely remember that stat. Luana Carolina in her last five wins, all of those by decision. Overall, Luana has five decision wins from eight career victories. So 
If Luana wins it here, then the logical option is to back her to get it done via the judges' scorecards. The glaring stat in this matchup is that three of Meatball Molly's four losses have come by way of decision, so the majority of Luana Carolina's wins coming by decision, and the majority of Meatball Molly's losses coming by decision, so very worrying signs. Uh, if you just take that into account, that Meatball Molly could be in some trouble this weekend, and Luana Carolina is definitely out to spoil the party. Stylistically, it's a fight that seems destined to go the distance. You've got the home crowd hype uh, behind Molly McCann. It is going to be a contest between two very evenly matched fighters, so it's hard to get an exact read on how this fight plays out. The statistics would suggest that Luana Carolina gets this one done by the judges' scorecards, but the statistics haven't favoured in the home crowd advantage for Meatball Molly. She's going to have that little bit of pep in her step. She's really going to be fired up, and the crowd are going to be fired up. The UFC returning to London, I know I'm fired up, so I can't imagine how fired up Meatball Molly is going to be, and the same goes for Luana Carolina. Now, overall, Luana Carolina win methods, two knockout wins, one submission, and five sub, uh, five decisions. Sorry, muddled that. So five decision wins from eight wins for Luana Carolina. Molly McCann's losses, three decision losses, one submission. As for Meatball Molly's wins, she has also won most of her fights by decision, stuttering my lines. Seven of Molly's 11 wins by decision with four knockouts as well. So if you're going to look for the Meatball Molly big stoppage in front of the hometown, knockout is the way, but if you're thinking logically, then it looks like this fight definitely going to go the distance. So a Meatball Molly knockout win could be a juicy value option this weekend. However, Luana Carolina is yet to be knocked out across 10 professional outings, so I'm going to stay away from the Meatball knockout value bet. Luana's two losses include one submission loss, uh, so... McCann's never won by submission, so you can pretty much cancel that out. Well, not pretty much, it is a chance, but I'd say that's unlikely. And Luana has one decision loss, so that looks the most likely avenue for both females to lose is decision. So yeah, everything seems to point toward the fact that this is going to go to decision, but MMA math and things like that, they don't always add up. So before I make my prediction, I'm just going to have a look at the betting market, I do believe Molly McCann is the favorite, but this is one of the main fights on the card where I must stress the hometown advantage does come into it, and Luana Carolina is a very, very good underdog pick to win. Now, Carolina is at $2.15 head-to-head, so you can double your money. Uh, I think she's a very big chance of winning. Whilst Molly McCann, $1.72, so still great odds, but... Uh, I don't know. I think it could be closer in terms of the odds. Now, for Molly McCann to win by knockout, $11. To win by submission, highly unlikely. And look, I'm just going to look into the decisions. They could get a finish, and I'll talk about that in thoughts and comments if they do. But head-to-head, Molly McCann, $1.72, up against Carolina, $2.15. And these are the decision odds. So for Molly McCann to win by decision, $2. I like those odds. Luana Carolina to win by decision, $2.75. So both of those are awesome bets. And look, we're getting super close to the card. So I'm trying to get through these predictions so you can enjoy this. You can get pumped up before the card actually starts. It is going to be a lot of fun. So look, I'm going to make my prediction. And I'm going to take Molly McCann over Luana Carolina by decision. And a bonus prediction, I'm going to take Molly McCann by split decision. So... For the podcast, I'm taking Molly McCann by decision. Bonus prediction, I think split decision. This is going to be one of the closest fights of the night. And if it's not close and there's one fighter that dominates, I believe the beneficiary will be Luana Carolina. However, I am in the England spirit. I'm feeling excited about this London card. So I'm going to back the feel-good option here. I'm going to take the home crowd favorite. It's going to be such a great fight. And in the toughest pick yet, I am backing Meatball Molly McCann to get it done by decision. So, great fight on the card. What a main card we are in for. Let's not waste any time. It is time to jump in to our next fight. Up next, we have the highly anticipated return of Gunnar Nelson fighting for the first time in over two years on a quest to secure his first win since December 2018. Now, Gunnar had two losses in his most recent outings, 
which were a couple of years ago now, but when you look at who Nelson lost to, I mean, there is no respect lost. He lost first to Gilbert Burns by unanimous decision, and also to Leon Edwards by split decision. So Nelson's last two losses were to two of the division's elite, gonna prove that he could compete with both of them regardless of the result. And this week, Nelson is gonna have a different kind of test. He is gonna be up against the Japanese veteran Takashi Sato. Now Sato is taking this fight on short notice, stepping in to replace Claudio Silva. This will also be Sato's return to the octagon, competing for the first time since his second round submission loss to Miguel Baeza at the end of 2020. Takashi holds a 2-2 two two record over his four UFC appearances, and the Japanese star has been plying his trade under elite tutelage at Sanford MMA. Now, I'm wondering what kind of work has Takashi done since the end of 2020 when he last competed. He's bound to have made some adjustments under the team at Sanford, and I'm expecting his best showing yet. Sato could not have asked for a sterner test of his capabilities on return though, with the 33-year-old Gunnar Nelson only a handful of wins away from pushing back into title contention. There's obviously a lot of fighters in front of him now, so this weekend shapes as a crucial test for the Icelandic star. If Gunnar can win comprehensively this weekend, then I expect a ranked opponent for him up next, or at least someone who's in the conversation. Maybe we'll see the Claudia Silva bout rescheduled, but if Nelson wins in dominant fashion, I think he may bypass Silva and move straight on to a ranked opponent. Time to jump into the profiles, starting with Takashi Sato. Nicknamed Ten, he is 31 years old, from Tokyo, Japan, and Takashi Sato is a southpaw stance, so could be very awkward on the feet for Gunnar Nelson, but I don't believe that Gunnar Nelson is going to be really looking to dominate on the feet, and I still think he's plenty capable to trouble Sato, even though the southpaw will make it a bit more difficult in terms of the action on the feet. Takashi Sato, Sato sorry, is a judo practitioner, He's been plying his trade at Sanford MMA under the best trainer, Henry Hooft. So, yeah, Sato is in very good hands there. Has for Gunnar Nelson, nicknamed Gunny. He is 33 years old from Iceland, currently residing in England. So there is going to be plenty of support for Nelson on return. This is going to be one of the great fights of the main card. Well, they're all fantastic fights. And Nelson is fighting out of Iceland. His style, well, he's black belt karate practitioner, as well as a second degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so there are plenty of ways that Gellner Nelson can get it done, and he's representing the SBG Ireland gym, so very interesting there. Now, championships and accomplishments. Gellner Nelson is a four-time UFC Performance of the Night winner. He is tied for the most submission wins in UFC welterweight division history with six. And Nelson has an extensive grappling uh, resume. Sorry, English failing me. But yeah, grappling is definitely his strength. I think Takashi Sato is going to be in a lot of trouble here. I think Gunnar Nelson is most likely going to outclass him. Having a look at the professional records, Gunnar Nelson has a record of 17 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw. Whilst Takashi Sato has a record, it's pretty similar and very impressive, of 16 wins and 4 losses. But Nelson going up against, to my knowledge, the higher level of competition. Now, just having a look at the methods of victories and losses, I'll start with Takashi Sato. I'll have a look first at his losses, and he's fought 20 times, only lost four times. Three of Takashi's four losses by submission. That is undeniably Gunnar Nelson's strength, so huge matchup for Takashi Sato. He could not have asked for a fucking harder assignment first up. But if he passes this, then all of a sudden, like, his stocks rise exponentially. But three of Takashi Sato's four career losses by submission, that is a real red flag for mine. His fourth loss was a knockout, so all four of his losses have been stoppage losses. And the glaring weakness up against Gunnar Nelson's strength, this is basically, I guess, just seeing if Gunnar Nelson still has it. But submissions in terms of offense... They aren't Takashi Sato's strength. He is a knockout specialist. 11 of Takashi Sato's 16 wins by knockout. So whilst Gunnar Nelson's going to be looking to get that takedown and get that submission, well, Takashi Sato, he's going to be looking 
to knock Gunnar Nelson out cold. 11 knockouts, two submission wins in his career and three decisions. Moving on to Gunnar Nelson and the way he's lost, well, he's only been knocked out once across 23 fights. His other four losses were four of five losses by decision. So the best way it seems to beat Gunnar Nelson is by decision. And Takashi Sato only has three decision wins from 20 fights. So, look, I I don't feel super optimistic optimistic about Takashi Sato's chances. I'm more keen to see what Gunnar Nelson has to do this weekend uh, with the greatest of respect to Takashi Sato. Now, of course, as I mentioned, three of Sato's four career losses by submission. Well, 12 of Gunnar Nelson's 17 wins by submission. So, yeah. That is absolutely the key for this one. 12 submission wins for Gunnar, 4 knockouts, 1 decision. So, what's that? 16 stoppages from 17 wins, with the majority of those being submissions. So, I think Takashi Sato could be in some trouble here. Obviously, we've got Nelson. He is skilled. He is incredibly patient. And look, for a while, he was a top 15 guy. So, it's just the lack of activity that stopped him and the two losses before he took this break. So, very interesting. Takashi Sato is no slouch. I've got to give him a rap. He is a very quality performer, but this is the biggest test, no doubt, of his career. Is Takashi Sato one to be wary of this weekend in terms of underdogs? Am I getting too excited about Gunnar Nelson? Well, we will see, and let's see how the punters are feeling. Having a look at the betting market now, I know that Gunnar Nelson is the heavy favourite understandably so in this one $1.20 so not much value there but I think that's pretty fair Takashi Sato $4.50 for Gunnar Nelson to win by submission $1.85 so that tells you how straightforward that is Gunnar Nelson to win by decision $4 to win by knockout $7.50 that could be an interesting bet the knockout one Takashi Sato to win this by knockout $9 that's an interesting option Sato by decision $9 And Sato by submission, $41. That would be bloody crazy. Why not? Uh, But look, it's it's so clear cut in terms of the betting market. And that was exactly the way I was going to go. Look, Sato's weakness, I think, is going to get exposed here. That's just how I see it happening. So my prediction for this welterweight fight, I have got Gunnar Nelson by submission over Takashi Sato. I think he's going to find a way maybe in the first two rounds, if not in the third I think Nelson's going to wrap it up, get the submission victory, and move on. So ultimately, Gunnar Nelson by submission, very keen to see him return. And I'm also excited to see what kind of challenges Takashi Sato can present. So overall, that's my prediction. Gunnar Nelson by submission. It is time now to move on to the fight. Potentially the most talked about fight going into this weekend. It is going to be a huge one. Paddy Pimblett. Rodrigo Vargas, let's jump into it. And this may not be the main event, but I mean, this in a lot of people's minds is the main attraction. We have lightweight action. I mean, it is going to be unreal. Paddy Pimblett, Rodrigo Vargas. Paddy the Batty with an unreal hype train. Only comes out Chimaev has more hype at the moment. And if a win here, I mean, a win here for Paddy, uh, fuck, it's just going to explode. The atmosphere, the return, crowds back for fight night. This is what it is all about. And the Scouser is a special talent. He has that great balance of X-Factor inside the cage as well as outside. Paddy is a personality that sells fights. I mean, people pay to see him win and people pay to see him lose. So the key for Paddy is to keep winning because that is when the big paydays are going to start rolling in. His opponent is going to be Kazula Vargas, known as... Kazula, also his name is Rodrigo Vargas. Not a lot of people talking about him, but let's give him a shout out. He's the opponent that Paddy will be squaring off with. And Rodrigo has the opportunity of a lifetime to derail the Paddy the Batty hype train and steal the spotlight for himself. All of this whilst fighting on Paddy's home turf. This fight is going to be fucking berserk. I mean, Pimblet has the eyes of the MMA world fixated upon his charismatic personality. And whenever the Scouser fights, people tune in. Pimblet debuted in style last year, and while there were moments where Paddy was slightly compromised, ultimately it was Paddy the Baddies' night. Paddy defeated Luigi Vendramani by knockout, 
And yeah, the hype was real. People started to get around him. How good is the crowd atmosphere going to be during this fight? Uh, I, I get goosebumps. The O2 Arena is going to be electric, and this fight is the perfect warm-up for the co-main event leading into the main event. For those who haven't seen Vargas fight before, I'll give you some insight. Rodrigo lost in his first two UFC appearances, but managed to rebound last year to defeat Rong Zhu in an upset and record his first victory in the promotion. All the attention is going to be on Paddy the Batty, who seems like he was made for these occasions. Is Pimblet going to continue to rise up the ranks at rapid speed, or is Vargas going to derail the biggest UK prospect since Conor McGregor? The X-Factor fighter of the weekend, no doubt. The one with that oomph, the one with the pizzazz, the one who seems like the total package. That X-Factor fighter is Paddy the Batty Pimblet, no doubt. So plenty of eyes going to be on this matchup. I'll be covering it alongside JJ for thoughts and comments, so it's going to be a lot of fun. That's why I'm staying up. One of the reasons for sure I'm staying up. I want to see this fight. Very excited for Paddy the Batty. Now, I'm going to have a look at Paddy's record first, and then I'll look into his opponent. So first up, Paddy the Batty Pimblet, 27 years old, from Liverpool, England, and representing Next Generation UK. Paddy is on a three-fight winning run, looking for his fourth straight victory in London this weekend. Paddy only has three career losses, so just having a look at how people have been able to beat Pimblet twice by decision, once by submission. So he's never been knocked out, only three losses from 20 fights, 17 wins for Pimblet, so that's more the area to look into. And Pimblet has had six knockouts, seven submissions, and four decisions. So he's very versatile, especially when it comes to either getting the knockout or getting the submission. So Pimblet, a bit of a stoppage specialist, and his opponent this weekend, uh, it's interesting, not a lot of people talking about him. It's Rodrigo Vargas, nicknamed Cazula, 36 years old, and Vargas is representing Mexico City, Mexico, and the Mexican Pride Gym. So fuck yeah, like strong Mexican pride in that gym and he's representing mexico so if there's anything to know here's a little bit of a statement mexican pride baby rodrigo vargas is walking into london with that mexican x factor and that mexican oomph and he's gonna fucking say you know what viva la mexico i don't know if that's a bad thing i don't know enough about mexican culture so sorry if that is a cancelable thing to say but mexican pride i'm just reeling in this bloke's Mexican pride. I'm really keen to see him come out because the English crowd are going to have that England pride. Paddy Pimblett is going to have that Liverpool Scouser pride. But I don't know. There's something about the Mexicans and the fighting that they just fucking... Yeah, they're just very, very good at it. They've got like some kind of heart, some kind of spirit. There's something like deep within them. It's like... Not even necessarily like the physical elements, it's just like their heart and yeah, just tough, tough people, I guess. So yeah, we've got Mexican pride, took a bit of time there. Let's, you know, I was like, let's talk a bit about Rodrigo Vargas. That was what I got out of um, looking at his profile. Now, looking at his record, 16 fights for Rodrigo, 12 wins, 4 losses, 2 of his losses by decision, 1 by submission, and he's been disqualified once. That was DQ for an illegal knee against Brock Weaver. Now, having a look at Vargas and his winning record, 7 of 12 wins by knockout. So he's going to be looking to knock out Paddy Pimblett. Wouldn't be, wouldn't that, sorry, be a huge moment? That would be total Mexican pride time. Uh, he's also had three submissions and two decisions. So yeah, not sure what to make of Vargas going into this weekend. Stylistically, it's one of the fights of the night. Great variety of striking and grappling, and I'm expecting a finish one way or another. So before I make my prediction, oh fuck, I'm just so excited too because we are edging very close to this card, four and a half hours away. So, I mean, you'll have just enough time to listen to this podcast, get pumped, and then we are going to sit down and enjoy the action. Paddy Pimblett head-to-head on the betting market, sizable favorite, $1.17. Everyone's on the hype train. These things happen when someone has that kind of hype. And Rodrigo Cazula Vargas, $5.20. So biggest underdog 
Could there be value in that? I really don't know. For Vargas to win by knockout, $9. To win by decision, 11 Those are probably the only options. Main one, knockout, $9. But yeah, hard to tell what's going to happen. For Pimblet, I think he's going to get the finish. If you think he can go to decision, that's $4.25. But Pimblet by submission is $2.75 with a knockout, $3. So yeah, stoppage looks the most likely. As for which way I'm going to go... Look, I'm going to just get through this because we are so close to the card. I'm ready to sit down. You're ready to sit down. We are ready to enjoy the action. This is a fight that may be the one you're most excited for. I know it is the one most people are very excited for on this card. Head to head, I'm jumping on the hype train. Paddy, the baddie, Pimblet. I reckon he gets it done by submission. I'm expecting performance of the night. I'll call it right there. So I'll throw that prediction out there. I've got Paddy Pimblet down for a performance of the night submission win over Rodrigo Cazula Vargas. So jumping on the train, pimblet by submission. Fuck, we are just going to jump into that. So yeah, that's all I'll say about that. I don't think we can get any more excited about Patty Pimblet and Rodrigo Vargas going down in just a few hours. So yeah, really close to getting into it and the thoughts and comments. So now it's time to jump into our two main events. Obviously, the huge heavyweight fight, Tom Aspinall, Alexander Volkov headlining this event. But first, let's jump in to the co-main event of the evening. And what a co-headliner we have set for tomorrow morning Australian time. On one side, a hometown hero and a genuine contender at 145 pounds in Arnold Allen. Arnold is on the run of a lifetime at the moment, riding 10 straight wins. And definitely one of the underrated names when it comes to guys who are pushing their way toward a title shot. Arnold's had 18 career fights with 17 wins and only one loss. The one loss of Arnold's career was outside of the UFC, so he has been flawless since entering the biggest stage under the brightest lights in the world when it comes to mixed martial arts. Now, the one loss of Arnold Allen's career... That was in London, so very interesting. Uh, Could it be like a Derek Lewis where he struggles in Houston? I don't know, but we take place in... Well, this card, my apologies, takes place in London. Fun co-main event ahead. The one loss of Alan's career, a decision loss to Marcin Rzorzek. I don't know, one of those harder Polish-Russian names. I am Polish, and they still baffle me. Now, the overall UFC record for Arnold Allen is 8 wins and no losses. So 8-0 under the UFC banner. Arnold Allen yet to be stopped and he has faced some very high competition. Opposing Arnold will be my fellow countryman, the Kiwi Dan the Hangman Hooker. Now, for the last few years, Hooker has been a mainstay of the lightweight top 15. But crucial losses in big-time fights with Islam Makashev and Michael Chandler last year really halted Hooker's momentum. He felt that he didn't have a lot, lot of room anywhere to really go in the division. Obviously, he did have that one decision win over Nasrat Hakparast, but then when he took that fight against Makashev on short notice, he was beaten submitted swiftly in the first round. Now Hooker is dropping back down to featherweight. It has been a while. I'm really not sure how he's going to fare with the weight cut. Obviously, he has fought at featherweight previously. Some people were suggesting... Maybe he gives light, uh, not lightweight, sorry, welterweight a go. So very interesting that he's decided to cut the extra weight. When he was a featherweight, he was much younger. So I don't know how sustainable this move is going to be long term. There also is the Volkanovsky aspect. The champion, one of his training partners, Alex Volkanovsky, who when asked about the fight, potentially, Volkanovsky said he hasn't had his eyes on Hooker. Uh, but, you know, he said he'd be happy to fight Dan Hooker. He'd rather a mate be fighting for the belt than someone who's random. So uh, all of a sudden, you know, Volkanovski's open to it because that was one of the curious things. It was like the champion is Volkanovski, but the champ's open to it. So Hooker, all of a sudden, this is a really big move down to featherweight. As for Arnold Allen, he is only 28 years old. He is on his own run toward a title shot. He has been a featherweight mainstay for a while now. So he has his nose in front when it comes to getting the title shot, but if Dan Hooker can hand Allen his first loss in England, then all of a sudden the hangman, well, Volkanovski will have to start paying attention to his training partner at City Kickboxing in the handman. The handman. 
That's a new one, the Handman. These late night sleep deprivation Handman moments. Uh, Hangman Hooker, Volkanovsky, that could be a fun future matchup. Now, the Englishman Arnold Allen, he's had to battle injuries and there's been patches of inconsistency activity wise. So 2022 shapes as the most pivotal campaign of Allen's career. This is one of the fights I'm definitely excited for this weekend. I'm going to be cheering for my fellow Kiwi Dan Hooker, but I am a huge fan of Arnold Allen, and he's a deserved favorite in my opinion. Dan Hooker began his UFC journey at featherweight with a 3-3 record in the division before he moved up to 155 pounds and exceeded expectations. Now Dan moves down to 145, and he's only dropping to featherweight for one reason. Dan Hooker is dropping down to become the champion. In his path this weekend, a hometown hero surging toward title contention. This is bound to be fight of the night material when these two cross paths tomorrow. And that is my exact prediction. There's only one of them to predict, only one fight of the night. I'm going to be backing this co-main event, Dan Hooker and Arnold Allen, to be the fight of the night. I'll check back up on that in the Thoughts and Comments podcast. But this is my official pick for fight of the night, Dan Hooker up against Arnold Allen. Jumping into the profiles, Arnold Allen, nicknamed Almighty, 28 years old, from England. He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt, representing TriStar Gym. Arnold is a two-time Performance of the Night bonus winner, so yeah, that kind of feeds into the theory. I definitely think this could be a fight of the night. As for Dan Hangman Hooker, he is 32 years old, representing my home city, Auckland, New Zealand. Hooker is a kickboxer. A lethal striker, death by 1,000 cuts type of operator. And I think he can break down Arnold Allen. This is definitely going to be a pretty rough and bloody fight, in my opinion. But Arnold Allen, if someone's going to dominate it, then I can definitely see Arnold Allen rolling through Dan Hooker. That is one worry. The weight cut, still a bit of a question mark. Dan Hooker representing City Kickboxing, just like the champion of the division, Alex Volkanovsky. Dan Hooker has also held two kickboxing championships. He is a former Australian fighting championship lightweight champion. He is a former supremacy fighting champion, lightweight New Zealand champion, sorry, butchered that. Hooker is a three-time UFC performance of the night winner and two-time fight of the night winner. So very exciting fight ahead. There's going to be a massive size advantage for Hangman Hooker. That's why he's dropping down. He's hoping that he can outsize and outmuscle his opponent's in this lighter weight class. As far as the rankings go, Dan Hooker is the number ranked, uh, number eight ranked lightweight. So there's implications for both 155 and 145 pounds here. Dan Hooker, number eight ranked lightweight. Going to be interesting if he stays at featherweight, uh, where they kind of bring him over into the featherweight rankings and kind of where he sits, especially if he gets a win over Arnold Allen, the number seven ranked featherweight. So this is a perfect matchup on the ultimate stage and a win tomorrow for Arnold Allen is going to place him squarely in contention for a title shot and if he does face Volkanovski eventually there's a bit of fuel there there's like a narrative he's already beaten one of City Kickboxing's best in Dan the Hangman Hooker. As for the next opponents let's say Volkanovski beats Korean Zombie in their upcoming title fight I think Volkanovski Holloway next so the opponents for the winner of Allen and Dan Hooker I think someone like a Kelvin Cater, Josh Emmett, Yair Rodriguez, those are the guys who are kind of floating around contention for a title shot. So the winner of that will enter that kind of fray. I think there's four guys there, one title shot after Holloway. So yeah, maybe you try and match those guys up. Whoever has the most impressive win gets the title shot. And do not forget the emerging contender at featherweight in Bryce Mitchell loves his Arkansas he is representing Arkansas to his core Bryce Mitchell one to watch out for at featherweight back to these guys not just these guys the co-main event fighters are a bit disrespectful to the ranked fighters of the UFC looking at their campaigns in recent times Arnold Allen had one fight last year that was a decision win over Sodic Yusuf as for Dan Hooker uh, he's had some really big fights. Now, at the end of 2020, or in 2020, not at the end, he started by beating Paul Felder 
in my home city of Auckland. Hooker got the win by split decision. What a fight that was as well. Then Dan Hooker got the big time matchup. Dustin Poirier. This was Dustin's last fight before fighting McGregor. So it's fair to say if Dan Hooker got the win here. I mean look McGregor I guess it was kind of destined. It was set up to face Poirier. So they probably would have gone that direction anyway. But if Dan Hooker had won that then yeah. He would have been in line to either face McGregor or, yeah, be definitely contending for the title shot. But he lost in a bloody, brutal war. Five rounds decision to Dustin Poirier. Dustin got the win over Dan Hooker. Then Hooker rolled into 2021. Huge matchup. This was on the same card as the second fight between McGregor and Poirier. It was the debut of Michael Chandler, the three-time Bellator lightweight champion huge hype this ended up being the ufc official day uh like debut of 2021 it won an award michael chandler getting the first round knockout over dan hooker really just rocked him that was a big loss in terms of dan hooker's career maybe his biggest then dan hooker responded a bit later last year getting the win decision over nasrat hakparast and then he got really confident, Dan, and he stepped up and took a late night. Uh, late night. It's late night right now. Uh, Hooker took a short notice fight up against Islam Makashev. He was submitted in the first round. So now we see Hooker return to featherweight. Going to be very interesting. Three losses from Hooker's last four appearances. Up against a 10-fight winning streak for Arnold Allen. So, yeah, if you're not excited about this co-main event, then gee whiz. I don't know what you're going to get excited for. Now, jumping onto the pro records, Arnold Allen had that one loss by decision that I mentioned earlier. From Allen's 17 wins, he has 5 knockouts, 4 submissions, and 8 decisions. So, 8 decision wins from 17 victories for Arnold Allen. He's a bit of a specialist at getting it done. This is only the co-main event, so to my knowledge, this is only 3 rounds. Although, the UFC have been throwing out some surprise 5-round co-main events. I didn't realize Rafael Dos Anjos... And uh, Moicano was going to be five rounds, but I guess because the Fazeev, the original contest was going to be five rounds, that's why they did it. So this one's only three rounds, which goes right into the favor of Arnold Allen, eight decision victories in his career. That's the most likely method of victory for Arnold tomorrow. As for how Dan Hooker's lost and his decision losses, well, six of Hooker's 11 losses have been by decision, so... Again, this is a major test. It's in a different division as well to what he's been competing in in recent years. But six of Hooker's 11 losses by decision, eight decision victories for Arnold Allen. This is going to be the test. If this one goes the distance, can Dan Hooker do enough to get the decision win over someone who nobody has beaten at featherweight yet? What a fucking cracking main event. Genuinely very excited. That is why we are staying up tonight. Four thoughts and comments. Overall, Hangman's losses, six decisions, three submissions, and he's been knocked out twice. As for Dan Hooker's wins, 50% by knockout. He's had 22 wins, 11 of those being knockouts, seven submissions, and four decision wins. So Hooker has had 18 stoppages from 22 wins. Arnold is yet to be stopped in his career. This is such an awesome stylistic matchup. Hooker can be exploited if this one goes to 15 minutes and is a tight decision contest. But if this one gets dirty and this one gets really physical, Arnold Allen could find himself in some trouble. We could see a big knockout from Dan, the hangman, Hooker. Having a look at the betting market, I think I may change my prediction live here. Uh, although, I don't know. Now, I'll stick with my prediction. I was going to jump onto Dan Hooker by a knockout, uh, but I'll just take a look at the betting market very close here. Arnold Allen at $1.87, Dan Hooker at $1.94, Allen to win by decision $2.60, knockout $7, submission 13 sorry. And for Dan the Hangman Hooker's methods of victory, to win by submission $13, to win by knockout $4, to win by decision $4.25, so... I nearly, very nearly jumped on Dan Hooker by knockout. Overall, though, in this co-main event, my prediction, very hesitantly, I'm going to take my fellow countryman, Dan Hooker, 
by decision. So he is a stoppage specialist, but this one seems, I think it's going to be fight of the night. I think this is going to go the full 15 minutes and we're going to see a very close contest. I'm backing Dan Hooker by decision. Arnold Allen, probably the better option betting wise. I was on the fence, so I'm going to go hometown pride. Now, I went Dan Hooker against Islam Makashev foolishly and he got obliterated, so take with that what you will, but I am going to back my hometown guy in. On a night full of Englishmen, I'm backing the Kiwi. Hometown pride, the Kiwi Dan Hooker, that's who I'm cheering on, that is who I'm backing. Official prediction for the co main event Dan Hooker over Arnold Allen by decision. Bonus prediction, fight of the night. And speaking of one of the fights of the night, or I guess the fight of the night, it is the main event. We have one fight to go. It is the headliner. So without further ado, it's time to jump into it. All right, it is now time for the big one. UFC London's main event, heavyweights. Jostling for positions to push for a title shot. We have Alexander Volkov squaring off with Tom Aspinall. Now, and in my opinion, Tom Aspinall is one of three elite talents that are emerging for their first heavyweight title strap. I have Tom Aspinall, Cyril Garn, and Taito Avasa as the three big emerging talents to watch. They are the three emerging elite talents of the heavyweight division. No doubt, Aspinall, I have been keeping a very close eye on him. I was keeping a close eye on Chris Dorcas as well, but Aspinall is just another level of talent. And look, I'm just going to put it out there. I have extremely high hopes for Aspinall. But Alexander Volkov is a huge test, and only the division's elite have been able to defeat him. The Russian has been a long-standing presence in the heavyweight top 10 since arriving in the UFC back in 2016. Volkov has an overall UFC record of 8 wins, and three losses. Now, I'll just go through Volkov's eight UFC wins. In his last outing, he had a decision win over Marcin Taibura, and these are Volkov's other wins. A TKO win over Alistair Overeem, TKO win over Walt Harris, decision over Greg Hardy, KO over Fabricio Wadum, TKO over Stefan Struve, a decision win over Roy Nelson and Alexander Volkov also had a split decision win over Timothy Johnson. As for Volkov's losses, he had a third round knockout loss to Derek Lewis, the number five ranked heavyweight. Volkov had a five round decision loss to Curtis Blades, the fourth ranked heavyweight. And he had a five round decision loss to Cyril Garn, the number one ranked heavyweight. So the only fighters inside the UFC who have beaten Volkov Ranked number one, four, and five. As for Aspinall, he has had an interesting UFC run since debuting in July 2020. He defeated Jake Collier by TKO. Then he backed that up by defeating Alan Badeau by TKO. Came out and submitted former heavyweight champion and UFC legend Andre Arlovsky. Made him tap out. Unbelievable from Aspinall. And then he came out up against Sergei Spivak, who we saw recently dominated Greg Hardy. Well, Tom Aspinall managed to get a huge TKO win over Spivak, so this is a highly intriguing main event. Volkov's been on the cusp of title contention for years now, whilst a win over Cyril Garn would have placed Volkov in pole position for the title next time. Uh, Sorry, I really butchered that sentence, but yeah, a win over Cyril Garn for Volkov would have put him right in that title contention, potentially for that interim title shot, but he didn't get it done. Instead, Volkov lost to Garn, and he had to regain his momentum with the win over Marcin Tabura. Now is Volkov's chance. Aspinall is the hottest prospect in the entire division, fighting in his homeland. What a main event we have in store, folks. Tom Aspinall is on a seven-fight win streak, and the Englishman appears primed to thrive on this huge stage. It's a big step up in competition, with a step up in intensity as well, given that this fight is scheduled for 25 minutes. It is the first main event of Tom Aspinall's career, and the winner of this, no doubt, starts to enter the title picture. Other names definitely in consideration. Curtis Blades, who's facing Chris Dorcas next weekend, should be a great fight card. I'll be covering that as well. Taito Avasa, fresh off his knockout win over Derek Lewis. And then Stipe Miocic and John Jones, both 
definitely still in the conversation, but less active. So Curtis Blades, Taito Avasa, and this winner of this main event, they are the ones, I think, who, unless John Jones or Stipe announce that they are fighting soon, well, these are the guys who are next up. Obviously, the whole situation with Ngannou, very clouded, but I'm going to stick to the important main event here rather than the whole landscape of the heavyweight division. Tom Aspinall is young, and he doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon. I don't want to get too overhyped, but we could be seeing a legend in the making. He has a long time to make his mark. Now, I'm not about putting too much pressure on young fighters, so legend is probably a bit much, but we are seeing, I guess, one of the next big things. Tom has gotten past his opponents with such ease, so it remains to be seen how the Englishman performs in the latter stages of fights. This one is the best stylistic matchup of the night, so I'm glad they've saved it for the biggest fight. And yeah, Volkov is the perfect test for Aspinall at this stage in the young man's run. Will the grizzled veteran pick up... what? Let me try that again. We'll keep this rolling. Will the grizzled veteran again? Take three. Will the grizzled veteran pick up a career-defining win, or will Aspinall put his name forward for title contention, as many believe he is going to do? So, just got through that one by the skin of my teeth. Now let's see if I can get through the profiles, starting with Alexander Volkov, nicknamed Drago, 33 years old, from Moscow, Russia, and representing Strela team. In terms of accomplishments for Volkov, he is a former Bellator heavyweight world champion. He is a former Bellator season 10 heavyweight tournament champion. He is a former Bellator season 7 heavyweight tournament champion. So he has been a quality heavyweight for a long time. We know that Bellator is absolutely top tier fighting. So very impressive from Volkov. Also a former M1 global heavyweight champion and a former M1 Eastern European tournament runner-up. As for Volkov's UFC accomplishments, he is a one-time fight of the night winner and a two-time performance of the night winner. On to Tom Aspinall. He is 28 years of age, fighting out of Liverpool, England, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt representing Team Cowbon. As for accomplishments for Aspinall, in his short stint since only July 2020, Aspinall has already racked up three Performance of the Night bonuses. In terms of advantages, power advantage goes to Aspinall, grappling to Aspinall, defense to Volkov, and I think across the 25 minutes, definite advantage to Volkov. Height and reach as well is going to be in favor of the Russian, but much less than usual. Most of the time, Alexander Volkov has significantly more reach, and he's a lot taller than his opponents, but Aspinall is a big fella, so... He is about the same size as Volkov, and whilst Volkov does have some slight advantages, this is going to be a really tough test for him as well. In terms of the rankings, Volkov is ranked number 6, Aspinall 11. Uh, both guys, like Aspinall wins this, he starts to float right around that top 5. A win here for Volkov, does he enter the top 5? Maybe, he replaces Derek Lewis, so a lot on the line. Both guys right there when it comes to a spot in the top 5 which is ideally where you want to be if you want to be fighting for a title at some point. Jumping into the pro records, Aspinall, 11 wins, 2 losses. Volkov, much more experienced, 34 wins, 9 losses. Now, I'll have a look at the 2 losses for Tom Aspinall, both outside of the UFC. In 2015, he had a submission loss to Stuart Austin, and in 2016, Aspinall had a disqualification loss for an illegal downward elbow. As for Aspinall's wins, much more wins across his resume uh, rather than losses. Aspinall, 9 of 11 wins by knockout. He is a specialist at shutting his opponent's lights out. Two submissions as well. So Aspinall overall, 11 finishes from 11 victories, 9 of them being knockouts. So this one, look, Volkov is a master at taking some really quality fighters to decision. But I think either way we're going to see a knockout. This is the perfect fight to have as the main event, like, I get, I'm smiling thinking about it, this is gonna be such a fucking awesome card, and the main card, they have really put on a special show, and I just am so excited to see the energy that the London crowd bring. 
Now, having a look at Volkov's record after seeing Aspinall's record of spot stoppage finishes, having a look at how many fighters have secured the stoppage over Volkov, now he's twice been knocked out. Derek Lewis knocked him out in 2018, and he was also knocked out in Bellator in 2013. Now, Volkov's also been twice submitted, so only four stoppage losses in his career. Stoppage losses is... is, uh, Sorry, I can't even talk properly. Now, the two submission losses for Volkov, Maxim Grishin in 2010, and he had an armbar submission loss in the third fight of his career in 2009. So overall for Volkov, he's had two knockouts, two submissions, and five decision losses from 43 career fights. So... Volkov has only been stopped inside the distance four times across 43 fights. Aspinall is a stoppage specialist. This is the perfect thing to put on his resume. Uh, I know you're excited about this main event. There's not much I have to do more to hype it up. So we are nearly at the prediction. Then I'm going to wrap this up and we are going to watch what is a fight night that I've just been waiting for for such a long time, ever since it was even rumored before it was announced. So going to be a great fight the perfect main event for ufc's return to england having a look at alexander volkov's career victories much like aspinall he is a knockout specialist this everything the more i go into it the more i get pumped up 22 knockouts from 34 wins for volkov so 22 knockouts in his career up against aspinall's nine 22 knockouts overall three submissions and nine decisions for volkov so Stylistically, it is going to be a straight-up banger. This one could also be fight of the night, but honestly, I'm huge. I have huge tickets on Tom Aspinall, so I'm going to back him to get it done in style. I'm going to back Tom Aspinall to get a performance bonus as well, but I'll get into that in a second. This is 25 minutes, or at least scheduled for, but we are seeing a finish, in my opinion. Before I get to my official prediction for this UFC... London main event, we are less than four hours away from the card now, uh, at least from the prelims. So thoughts and comments is going to be starting to record very shortly, but let's have a look at the betting market. Now, it was really even, but Tom Aspinall, the punters are starting to get behind him. He is now the $1.77 favorite up against Alexander Volkov at $2.05. Great value. That's what you want from a main event for Volkov to win by knockout, his specialty, 375. One value option I like is Volkov to win by decision, $4.25. Now, Aspinall is a decision, I mean, not a decision, the opposite, a finishing specialist. So for him to go to decision, highly unlikely across 25 minutes. But if he does and wins, $5.50. More likely to win by submission, in my opinion, which is $11. So very, very interesting. $11 is great odds. But the main attraction, what people want to see, what the home crowd is going to be feeling, that is the Tom Aspinall knockout at $3 odds. I just saw my phones on 1%. I'm checking some of my stuff on that. So look, that is my prediction for this UFC London main event. Tom Aspinall to get it done. Performance of the night knockout bonus. And overall, that is my official prediction. Tom Aspinall over Alexander Volkov by knockout. It's time for me to wrap up, get ready for the Thoughts and Comments podcast to watch and react to everything in real time. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. You'll be able to see as soon as the Thoughts and Comments podcast is posted. And until tomorrow morning, take care and enjoy this card. The crowds are back for fire night. The UFC is back on an international level in England, in London, some huge stars, Paddy Pimblett, the main event with Tom Aspinall, and from prelims, from the very opener, all the way to the main event. This is going to be a card that is so much fun. I cannot wait to see the crowd. And yeah, that's all I've got to fucking say. So enjoy the card, take care of yourselves, and I will be back tomorrow with UFC thoughts and comments.